Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast for another Premier League show. Um, my name's Mason, I'll be your host this evening. So a lot to get through as always uh, and another controversial week in the, in the Premier League. Uh, with me tonight we have, first of all, Jamie. How are you, Jamie? I'm all right, Mason, thank you. Um, I'd, I'd like to say I've calmed down from the weekend, but if I'm honest, I'm not. I'm still bitter, I'm still angry. Um not only did Chelsea win, but now I've got to sit here and listen to Johnny talk about Chelsea. Never mind VAO, but I'm here, mate. <laughs> I feel you, mate. I definitely feel you. Uh, also, Johnny, how are you, Johnny? I'm great, Mason. Thank you. Hello, Jamie. And everybody listening, it was a good weekend, mate. Yeah, it was a good <clears throat> good weekend for Chelsea, but um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um but let, let's get straight into it, gents. Uh, Damien, let's start with the biggest scoreline of the weekend then, at Villa Park, where Villa beat Brighton 6-1. Um, didn't see that one coming at all. Um, what did you make of that? I think, you know, if you go back to last week's pod, we talked about uh, the goals, um, goal scorelines that Brighton have been involved in this week. Uh, sorry, this season. No scoreline apart from one has been below 3-1 in a game, whether it went for Brighton or against them. So I think we always knew there was going to be goals. It was that 50-50. It was just about who it was going to go to. And I was utterly surprised of how easy Villa cut open Brighton at times. Um Great to see Watkins get himself another hat trick. Um, Gareth Southgate was in the stands watching, so that can only do, you know, plaudits for him. Um, I'd be worried about Brighton's defending at times. I think they got carved open really easy, but I think that was also to do with the lack of experience, shall I say, in the middle of the park. They give a debut to a young lad, um, and they also had Billy Gilmore. And I think, you know, we've talked about Billy Gilmore's impact in the recent weeks, but it probably only goes along when he's playing alongside somebody that can help him anchor it. And, I, you know, given the lad his debut at a free attack in Villa, it's probably always going to be hard. Um, so I'm not surprised to see how many goals were in the game. I'm just probably more surprised at how easy Villa got Brighton open. Yeah, it's, it's Villa, I think it's fair to say in recent Villa into one of the best counter-attacking teams in, in the league at the minute. That's 10 straight wins at home. Um, for, for Villa, which is which is brilliant, and Johnny uh, Watkins with a hat trick um, again. I think the only the second time a Villa's player's done that in a season since Andy Gray um, in seventy six seventy seven. So Watkins is having a season of his life already, and uh, yeah, obviously looking at Villa, but but another you know great win. Yeah, the lad's right in his selling to Villa folklore. Uh, I've seen his comments after the game or his interview. Um, he seemed to be made up with. Um, I mean, pretty much what Jamie said. It was um, it was a surprising score. Didn't see that coming. Fancied goals, absolutely, but not like that. Uh, it, it looked easy. Um, Brighton, like Jamie said, were getting cut open at will. Um, Defence is an issue. There, there is an issue there. That's well, six goals in a game is bad enough. Um, they scored. They conceded three goals, and I think it was twelve minutes as well, um, which is another huge red flag. And I think that's fourteen for the season in the league that they've conceded, 
which is probably up there with the highest. I don't know where it is in the list, but it must be up there. Um, but I mean, Villa were excellent. Listen, Villa, Villa played them off the park. They won everything, every battle on the pitch, first to every ball. Also bear in mind that when we talk about Brighton, I think we do probably expect a wee bit too much. I know I do. Just because of last season, and not just last season, but how they've they've improved, just continuously improved, and they're at a stage now where we're probably looking for a wee bit too much. When you look at the resources and what they have compared to what some of what they're against, I think it is going to happen. Six one is still surprising. Don't get me wrong, but they are going to lose games. I think Jamie John Johnny makes a really good point there about you know maybe everyone's expecting a little bit too much of of Brighton. Um, it was their heaviest defeat since two, 2012, I think I read today. But with European football now as well, when I looked at this squad earlier, and they do have some really good individual players, but it's going to be a big challenge for Deservey to, if they do get a couple of injuries and then to go and rest a few players. I said you mentioned the midfield, but is everyone sort of, is that fair to say everyone is expecting a little bit too much um, from Brighton this season? I think it's easy to get carried away with how well Brighton have been playing because whether whether people admit it or not, they've been punching above the weight probably for about two seasons now when Potter was in charge and now Zerby's taking in charge. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think at the beginning of the season, we were all saying that we think Brighton will do well, but whether they can then put, kick on to maybe finish a top six, for example, was always going to be a challenge because of the European fixtures. But then you look at the first four games and they were swiping people left, right and centre. Matoma was carried on. I think Solly March got two goals in the first two games. They were tearing teams apart and it was great to watch. So then you get wrapped up in that euphoria again and going, oh, can they do it? As Johnny says, they're probably going to do it three times out of four games a season. But the, that fourth game is going to be a stinker where they either don't perform or they just don't. You just don't have the competition. I mean, if you look back to their other loss, I think the other loss was West Ham when they got beat 3-1 at home. And again, West Ham probably only had two shots in the first 60 minutes, but they were carved open in the goals that happened. Um, they, they they had a bit of news today that apparently Estepinian is going to be out for about two months. So I think yeah. that's going to be a blow, which now means that they've got Tariq Lamptey probably coming back in to the fray. So they've got players, but... It's a big drop off, isn't it, for the when when, they, when they're losing players to then who who goes in behind them. I think with the European fixtures, they're coming up for the second fixture tomorrow. The first fixture didn't go their way either, so I think this then I think the squad's going to be very very thin at times. Yeah, he did. Sorry, I don't know if you seen after the game, Desabri. He actually admitted that when they asked him about you know it was such a heavy defeat, <laughs> like like he, he was complaining about not spending money because yeah. he had about four hundred in the bank. Eh? <laughs> uh, no, I mean he was he was refreshing. He was like, look, we were we're still trying to balance all these extra games. Uh, one game they're that used to the one game a week minus obviously cups, but um, he said that he said he says look, it's going to be difficult and we are finding it difficult to balance it. So it's something we need to learn fast. So. They are aware of it, but yeah, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be a grind for them, definitely. I don't I don't think I don't think any realistic Brighton owner or in that structure of Brighton's team would have looked at the season and went, "We must finish top six or top eight because they knew how much they punched last season. I think what they're wanting to look to is get, get consistency. If they can finish a run about the same again this season, I think that's job done for the Zerbi, and I don't mean that 
as in they can't push on. I just think having to juggle and stay within that added expectation, I think will be a benefit for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree with that. Johnny, uh, let's move on to, to Manchester City, who suffered their first blip of the season uh, with a defeat to Wolves. Um, you know, was really surprised by by the result here. I think not too sure if it was you or Jamie or all three of us actually that, that tipped Wolves to to be one of the teams that, that could find themselves going down. But um, watching the the extended highlights uh, highlights yesterday, Craig Dawson um, had an absolute stormer. Um, and to be fair to, to Craig Dawson, I was really surprised um, West Ham let him go at the time they did um, because um, defensively he's very very good. Um, and, and yeah, got man of the match yesterday. Um, but yeah, what, what was your thoughts on on that result? The old warhorse Dawson feels like he's been a bit forever, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, shocked, definitely shocked. Did not see that one coming at all. I thought it'd be a whitewash if I'm if I'm being honest, purely based on just how dominant City, you know, are pretty much on every platform. Um, but I mean, they had. Line share possession, City, the had a ridiculous amount of attempts, shots, shots on target. Um stats for I looked at the stats today, it was it was mental. But stats don't win your games. Um Wills got the job done. A again stand out said that for the last three weeks, I think, was Pedro Neto. Um he's so so important for them and such a dangerous player. We're already hearing the the scouting reports all the team sniffing already after a few games, such as the Premier League. But no, I mean, I think it's a ridiculously good three points for them, huge three points. And uh, I mean, let's be honest, it was a gimme, yeah, game. Um, you know, it's a mulligan when you play City. So if you're playing, you, there's not really a, a, a huge amount you can say about it. I mean, Alvarez's goal to get back was, was a, a cracking strike pinpoint. Um, but just not enough in the end. So yeah, I can only really applaud them and say and say well done. Yeah, huge, huge win for Wolves. Jamie, looking at it from Manchester City's uh, point of view, um, I, f- I feel like I've banged this drum before, but I'm going to do it again. Rodri was out, yeah. um, and they just don't perform the same. I think in 15 games, Rodri's been out uh, since signing uh, in two. I think it was 2019. They've lost. They've lost five of the 15, um, which and I think they've only lost eight or something when he's played, so in over 60 games. So it just goes to show how important he is uh, for Manchester City. And, um, yeah, obviously, I think everyone's early on saying they're going to run away with the title, but this, you know, this, this result does open it back up again. Yeah, I think two things. One, um, we said it a couple of weeks ago, City are a different beast when Pep's not in the dugout. So Pep had obviously had received an additional game ban for, I think, either being sent off or receiving a multiple yellow cards in the season already. So he was having to sit in the stands. And you just, you know, watching that game, you just felt like they didn't have Pep shouting from the sidelines, getting them into gear, getting them into action. Um, and I just don't think it worked for them at all. Two, I'm very surprised at the result, considering City lost earlier in the week to Newcastle in the Cup. When was the last time you can remember City lost back-to-back games? Like, so you anticipated that they were going to turn up to Wolves and absolutely steamroll them like the injured animal and do something. I just 
don't think they anticipated Neto to do Neto things. You know, if I go back a couple of years ago when Wolves played Liverpool, Wolves absolutely embarrassed Liverpool in the first half, and 99% of it was because of Pedro Neto. The lad, on his day, is rapid. He, he's, he's, he's skillful. He has the ability to not just take people on, but actually have an end product. Um, you just... It was potentially always going to happen. What was more shocking was, as Johnny said, they had so many attempts for them to not get, you know, because when they equalised, you think, ah, this is only going to go one way, and it just didn't. Um, and also a big mention for Wolves, they absolutely bullied their ex-player, Matias Nunes, who got shifted at half-time, because every time he touched the ball, the fans were on him. Two or three were going into slide tackle. You could just tell Wolves were up for this. Um you know, um, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised because Wolves have had good performances in the last few weeks. They just haven't seen them through. So they were going to, it was inevitably going to happen at some point. But I think City are a different beast when A, there's no Rodri, B, there's no Pep. Um, so I think it just makes this weekend more tasty for them. Yeah, uh, that, that definitely does. Um, Jamie, I'll, I'll stay with you then uh, to talk about your, your second favourite team. Uh, yeah. Manchester United. Um, we could probably spend quite a, a period here talking <laughs> talking about them, um, and then obviously followed it up with a with a defeat at home to Galatasaray in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, what I want to start with with you, and I think we spoke about him before us three, but is a Onana, the, the goalkeeper. Um, can't wait. Want to hear what's funny? David <laughs> here is still a free agent. Like. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's absolutely... It's comical. Because I think we all had doubts about Onana. um, About, not necessarily his ability, because he was in the Champions League final last season. He's obviously got something about him. But for the way Manchester United play and what that role means for... You know, you look back at some of the keepers that they've had. Stalwarts. Onana's probably not that. He's probably a modern-day, you know... uh, attempting to ball play goalkeeper um, that thinks about how he contributes to the team as opposed to keeping the ball at the net. Take last night out to the free. I think he's been susceptible to a lot of the goals that they've conceded. Like, Absolutely. you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you have, you have the odd David De Gea. How, I think I go back to last season. Was it David De Gea? Was it against Brentford when he kicked out the ball? Ericsson had it rubbed off him and I think Tony ran through and pegged him. And you think that was his problem. And Anna's had about three or four of them already. Like, and you just think the fact that they'll, they keep losing defenders as well. You know, Lissandra Martinez is now out for a few months. I'm not a big fan of him, but he's obviously integral to what they do. Varane can't play more than two games in a week. They have problems with left backs. Luke Shaw's out. The, 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 the lad they brought in alone, Regulon's now out. Apparently, he had a cold. I don't know if that's true or what. So, you've now got the new player, Sofran Amrabat, who's a defensive midfielder, playing makeshift left back. It just screams comical. Um, from, and I think you know, not to, not to downplay Palace any, you know, too much. But they got thumped by Man United in the week in a cup game. Um, I think it was three nil, um, and they 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 didn't look as though they were going to get into that game at all. I thought Man United would have been an absolute banker at the weekend because they'd won so comfortably. But for whatever reason. Um, Palace just decided to turn up and, and turn the screw. I think you could even say Onana was probably culpable for the goal that they conceded as well. You know, we probably should have done better. Um, but I think Man United have got a lot of problems at the moment all over the pitch, whether it's fitness, whether it's 
falling out with players, whether it's Rashford not getting scoring. Like they, they just seem to have so many problems at the moment. But I think massive three points for Palace. Really chuffed that they decided to turn up and get something on that. Johnny, I do, I do want to talk about Palace. I think it's only fair that, that, that obviously that we do. But I just want to stay with with Man United for a second. What's your thoughts on Ten Hag's position at the moment? Because obviously he done that. It would be silly, and and I disagree with anyone that says he didn't do well last season uh, to get him into the top four and uh, and win a cup after you know what he took over from from Solskjaer. But I think he's in the. I think personally, he put himself in this position with his with his recruitment this summer. Um, Jamie there was just talking about the, the defensive issues they had, but I just look at what he's bought in and the money he spent this this summer, and I really question it. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I think they have a tendency to, at least looking from the outside, I think they have a tendency to sign. They never really seem to get the player they need. Um, you know, they'll either spend less or. Carry carry on with the with the fee and end up losing out on a player which we've seen so many times in recent years um, for a club that's the that self proclaimed richest in the world. You know, it's, at times it's a head scratcher because sometimes it, it looks like they're screaming for certain types of players and there are players available but they either underbid or don't go that way. Um, Ten Hag, I think. I mean, obviously we're looking for the outside. It's difficult to gauge. He seems to be very, I get a militant impression from him. You know, everything has to be straight-laced the way he wants it. No, there is no middle ground, um, which is fine. Um, I mean, the, what he claimed was when he took over, that was what the, the board wanted him to do. They didn't want egos. They wanted all of that pushed out of the way. Uh, but sometimes that sounds far easier than it is when you have players and you have all these different personalities and you do have egos, players that have been protected their whole life um, and you clash them all together if you have a manager who's going to have none of that and is very very dominating in that regard it can create a lot of unrest Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there is unrest there, especially at the moment, Um, the injury thing I mean yeah they have been unlucky especially considering how many are defenders Um, but (laughs) We've been saying it since game week one that they have, for the vast majority of it, not all, but they've looked lacklustre. Um, they've never really, really got going. They've had a couple of results, yes, but nowhere near enough. I mean, that's their worst start in 34 years. Um, so, yeah, I think there is definitely a few alarm bells, especially with midweek there. And the scary part is, like, for last night, the loss in the, in the Champions League, I had said to James before the game, I really, I fancied them to lose that game. You know, I just thought they're going to, you know, they're going to um, take this one too easily, uh, or think it's going to be easy. And I think that's kind of the way they come across, and teams are just catching them over and over. So yeah, I think there is, I think there is a problem there, mate, and I don't really know how fast they can fix it, especially with the injuries. I seen a start earlier this morning, and I was just what I was just trolling, and it was a comparison, um, one of these fan-made ones, but it, it kind of rang a truth to me that, that you look at Pep's tenure at City, and you look at Klopp's tenure at Liverpool, they've never brought players that they've worked with before. Ten Hag's already brought three in, and arguably three haven't worked. You've got Anthony, the goalkeeper, and Anna, and Lissandra Martinez, and I say Lissandra Martinez 
purely on the basis that he's not consistent, he's rash, he gets yellow cards. There's something just doesn't seem right in terms of that whole connection that he has with the club. Um, as Johnny says, if if he's following it with individual players, that will inevitably split the room because you'll have his favourite. Apparently, there was reports that he was he's got his favourites. That's ultimately going to split the dressing room into it and it's ultimately split going to players. Um, I do think they're going to have a few more ups and downs though throughout the season, definitely. Well, we're hearing now that Sanchez is pro- sorry, Mason. San- hey, Sancho's pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Um, if what we're reading is to be true, uh, and yeah, it's like the lad should never have spoken publicly, but it comes, you know, you, 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 as a manager, you have to breed that mentality. So why would you speak it publicly against your own player like that in the first yeah. place? If you have it's a problem, then go and speak to the player. Yeah, you know he he started that, he sparked that. So yeah. It kind of just enforces what we've been saying. Jamie, just staying on that, would you put your money on Ten Hag being the the next Premier League manager to go? Not the next Premier League manager to go. However, I would say I think he's 50-50 if he's there at the end of the season. Right. You know, they're currently nil for two games of the Champions League. Like if they, if they don't win the next two, for example and they maybe have another game lost within another tournament. That's, that's, I didn't, Johnny's already called out that they're already on the worst start to a season in 34 years. There was a list, I seen it on Twitter earlier, um, there's somebody's put together like a 18 list, 18 point list of Ten Hag's um, records of breaking and none of them are good. They're all bad. You know, like I think more that no team, I don't think, what was it? The teams haven't scored more than two goals at, um, in a certain tournament and, and within the same period so many times at Old Trafford or something like that it was it was absolutely crazy it was all damning and I think if that carries on that can only ultimately go one way I think he has the backing from the board I just don't know how long the fans are going to put up with it because as I think we've said a couple of times the moment the fans change the tune and you can start to see that now not necessarily over the Sancho thing but more about tactics lack of player options you know the options that he's bringing on is he is he the right man is he even saying the right things i think he's 50 50 if he's there by the end of the season if this continues yeah yeah that's, that's a fair point and johnny sorry just just to finish it off we, we will finish on, on obviously palace getting a, a big three points roy hodgson is now unbeaten in the last five visits to old trafford so uh you know, I think we all said that we expected the mm-hmm. United win, but but looking at Hudson knows to go there to, to get a result. And um, I, I generally look at two Palace's uh, centre-halves. I've said it for a while, Anderson and, and Mark Wheat. Uh, great finish from, from Anderson, but I think them two walk into to Man United's uh, centre-half. Uh, that, that would be their best two centre-halves. Right now, I could walk into Man United's <laughs> centre-half. <laughs> Sorry, Hawk. Um yeah, they've done really well, mate. They, um, especially defense, defensively, as you've just said, they were they were solid. They didn't give much away at all um, for the whole game. And yeah, the finish was outstanding. Uh, it was a centre forward finish if I've ever seen one. Um, excellent technique. But yeah, I, I pretty much noted down the same thing that trying to put emphasis on how well Palace actually done. Um, they they minimised so much of the game that Man United because I mean Man United huffed and puffed but they never really looked you know that that, that final touch never looked there but you have to give the credit to Palace for that 
So, yeah, they've done really well, mate. And third play to Hodgson. I think I read somewhere that he's the first manager to do that. I'm maybe in Premier League era. With the five games, I think it was something like that. I think it's worthwhile saying as well that I think they've announced today that Eze's potentially going to be missing for the next six weeks. Yeah. Um, he's, I think he's done his, done a muscle. Um, so that's going to be a big loss for them. Yeah, that's a big, a big, big fan of Eze. Uh, Jamie, um, again, another one of your favourite teams, but this time Luton getting their first win of the season. And uh, I honestly, as bad as Everton have been over the last few years and it started this season, I still thought, no, nah, they'll, they'll, beat, they'll beat Luton at home. But uh, God, how wrong How wrong was I? Um, for me, it's a game that Everton, just you just can't lose. Like, I don't want to be disrespectful to, to Luton. Great three points for them, but anyone else in the, in the league for me, you, you can't, at home, that's got to be a banker for you. Two, two things. Before the first goal goes, Everton Luton should have been 2-0 up. You know, they had multiple chances. It wasn't like a gimme. You know, it wasn't like a, a, a snapshot chance that they got. They absolutely battered them in the first half. Two, it was probably an Everton-type performance that Luton gave. You know, dogged, bullied them in the box. Keeper came out, made, made his claims. They had that dogged striker that obviously um, is, is, likes, a bit, likes a bit of a tussle. I was actually really happy for the lad Lockyer to get his goal because obviously he was the lad that collapsed in, in the in the warm-up for the championship final, wasn't it? And it was a bit of a hit and miss of whether he was actually going to make it this season. So I was actually, I actually did have a race smile when, when I realised it was him had scored it. Um, just as, you know, it's, it's always a good a good story for that. Um, I was just more surprised at how well Luton played. I thought Everton would have taken them to the sword. I really did. Um, but Luton turned up. They, they weathered the storms that were thrown at them. And I think they, they bullied them in, the, in Everton's box. And I don't think Everton were expecting to, you know, they, they expected to, to, to have that much of a fight, shall we say. But, yeah, that's a big, big loss. I think they won, they won the week before, didn't they? They had that shock win at Brentford. Brentford and we were saying, we were shocked that they won. They've completely unraveled that with that loss to Luton now, in my opinion. Because if you would have gone to be pre-Brentford, you would have said they're going to lose against Brentford, but they'll beat Luton. So actually, they're still in the same situation, really. So that you know, they've just completely undone what they should be ahead of. Yeah, it is just typical, typical Everton. Johnny, what, what did you make it? Make it this one? It's four four defeats in a row for for, for Everton at home, um, which yeah, again, that's where you would have thought if they're going to pick up points, especially under Dyche, it, it would be at home. And then you look at the fixtures apart from Arsenal. I think there's. There's games there that you could see them getting getting points from. Um, what what I can't understand is, and maybe I'm being a little bit biased here, but I watched um, Nathan Patterson against Sheffield United a few weeks ago, and I thought he was he was absolutely brilliant. And now he's got Ashley Young uh, in front of him, and, and look, Ashley Young in his day was was a great player. But I, I, I get that, that that's Dyche going for experience under the the raw sort of young uh, players, but. Again, if you look at Ashley Young for the first goal, I just think, why? What, what, I, I can't understand it. I think I think Premier League football is, is time's up. Yeah, I can't claim to be Young's biggest fan. Um, I, I agree. Uh, he, he did play well. So I think when a team's toiling, a lot of the time the manager sometimes hits a panic button a wee bit and goes to the tried and tested or not trusted would probably be a better word. Um, I think that's what we're seeing with them, especially at the back. Uh, 
It was. I mean, it wasn't the. It wasn't a great game. It was. It's like an old-fashioned derby. You know, they just pretty much booted each other off the park, and Luton were just better at it. Um, and it's actually forever, and they've lost seven of the last eight home games, which is mental. Um, and we're back to. I mean, I'm gonna say. I mean, I, I, when I had a, a bet on it at the weekend and predicting the scores, I was Everton all day. You know, that's the one. Pick one game a season you have to win, especially at home. It's against Luton, and like you say, it's not a disrespect to them. It's just an established team that should be winning that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can only say fair play to them, mate. I mean, it's uh, a huge three points. Get themselves the first one, and Everton are they're in dire straits. I mean, what was it? Was it three 0 last week? I think. Yeah. They won three one three zero. Um, so yeah, to go for that to that, and again it was a pretty abysmal uh, performance. So again, it's more red flags towards everyone's season, and I'd say more question marks over dish because I mean to me that's a huge loss. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that I feel I've said it at the start of the season, but I think this is the year that Everton Everton go down and home defeats to Luton. I think just. Go on, go on top of that. Um, I know they got a good win last week, but you know they can throw everyone, one of them up every every five six games. If they're still losing their bread and butter, then then they're, they're going to go down. Uh, Johnny, I'll 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 stay with you then. Um, move, moving it on, uh, Arsenal, uh, big win, away win for them uh, away at Bournemouth. Um, easy street really from from minute one. It was it was a game that was that was never in doubt. Um, Bournemouth really, really struggling um, and have failed to win the last 11 Premier League games. And again, we were talking about it earlier in, in Gary O'Neill and Wolves getting that, uh, uh, and, yeah, Gary O'Neill Wolves and getting a big win against Man City. Uh, that decision, again, I'm just looking at it going, uh, yeah, that, you know, they don't look that capable of getting them, them results at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's coming back to haunt them. You know, it was a scattered gun. Uh, managerial sacking anyway uh, before they brought him in, but I mean, yeah, like you said, it was it was definitely a cruise control game. You know, they're the kind of games, especially if you're mounting a title challenge or top four, that they can be potential banana skins uh, when you're away from home, like we've seen at the weekend with so many other teams. And you got to be able to go and win those games. And Arsenal have done it comfortably; they've done everything you could really ask of them. Bournemouth offered nothing really. You know, I think they had maybe one or two chances, but really that was it. Again, it's another start-heavy game where Bournemouth looked like they were sitting in the stands and just watched Arsenal kicking the ball about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just a, just a really straightforward one for Arsenal, mate. There's not a hell of a lot else to go into it with it. Um, there's another manager that you could probably say, maybe not going to last that much longer in O'Neill. Yeah, it does look like a strange season. I think we all said that at the time. Jamie, Arsenal then four, four goals, but it looks like it's going to be coming at a cost. Um, yeah. Saka, um, who was, I mean, we'll talk about fantasy in, in a little while, but um, he was someone that I was going to take out, I think, last minute and I ended up keeping him in. But uh, I think he, Well, that was uh, the thing, wasn't it? If, 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 if you go to the presses that were on the Friday, there was a lot of talk that they were going to be missing a good few of the key attacking players and Saka being one of them. Um, so you can imagine the scramble of everybody on Twitter talking about, even I 
changed some of my predictions. I actually fancied Bournemouth to maybe get a draw if they were going to be missing that kind of a those kind of a players. But then all of a sudden you find out, nope, they've all turned up. They're on the bus, and you're just like, well, that was a wasted fucking draw pick. Um, and they ran out comfortable four 0 winners. Um, I was more disappointed in the in in the penalties, like the penalties that that Bournemouth gave away. The Ryan Christie one, for example, goes two footed at at the shin heights in the box and says I didn't touch him. And you're oh, like, that, what? That, what are that, you? You're absolute walloper. Like, yeah. you know, it was the most penaltiest penalties you could have seen. And and he was so adamant. He's like, I never touched him. And you're like, well, I think, what? I think it was to the referee, go and have a look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was, you know, and it was absolutely comical. And I just think that kind of summed up Bournemouth's performance, to be fair. Um, you know, they just offered nothing, as Johnny said. They've got a few of the new signings in the team. They just don't seem to be getting anything out of them. Um, Solanke is obviously leading the attack. Solanke doesn't score for five games and then scores two and two games. Do you know what I mean? He goes on these weird runs. He's having the same kind of season now. Um, I, like Johnny, I think I think Bournemouth are going to struggle if they don't start picking up results. And they've got a big game this weekend. I think they're away to Everton this weekend. So uh, I think it could be, you know, um, Sayonara for one of them if, 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 the, if the worst happens. But for Arsenal... Um, Arsenal just doing Arsenal things really, isn't it? Four goals. Um, we obviously talked about the fancy side of it. I, I'm more, I'm more dismayed at the fact that you know there's a narrative kicking about now about Arteta's obviously got his favourites um, and Saka being one of them, and his inability to rotate Saka effectively. Uh, Saka effectively, sorry. What I mean by that is I think he's just played his uh, 87th game in a row, um, and he's now apparently had a, a serious injury um, that's going to come back and leave them exposed for the next few weeks at least. But if you go back to the Bournemouth game, as I said, pre-game, there was talk that he was actually, because I think he hobbled off the game before um, in the midweek against the, in the League Cup. And I think the talk was that he was going to be missing. For him to then start was a bit of a shock for everybody. He went 3-0 up and he was still on the pitch and you could see he was hobbling about and he didn't sub him until like the last 10, 15 minutes probably should have took him off a lot sooner. Um, you know, and, and it's a shame as well because they do have replacements. Probably not in, you know, in a big game, but you've got people like Reese Nelson who can come on against a Bournemouth, in my opinion, and do the same kind of attacking flair. So to not do it until it's too late in the game and probably run the risk of draining Saka out, as she said, come back to bite them in the arse a little bit. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Yeah, can't. Oh, that's, do you know what I said? Exactly the same. Uh, when I when I when I see that the lineups that that putting him in, I said, do you really need to risk him against Bournemouth? And could cost them a, a big player and a big game this weekend. Uh, that's for sure. Well, it's a bit manager. If you if you look at last season, you could arguably say Arsenal's inability to win the league was because they didn't manage the games. And you could probably say the same at the moment. You know, the inability he's carrying. Excuse me, there's no Martinelli. Trossard has apparently been missing for the last two weeks. You play City this weekend. You want to make sure you've probably got the best team available. You're going to Bournemouth, who are really struggling. As, as I think Johnny said, that, or you said, that they've lost 11 in a row. You could arguably rotate there. I mean, the lad of Neil Smith Rowe, I'm a massive fan of him. But what he has to do to get in that team is absolutely beyond me because... Um, he should have probably left in the summer, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, that's the readability to probably manage these games at the moment might have an impact again going forward. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I definitely think it will. Uh, Johnny, on to uh, we've probably spent quite a while talking oh, about the game. It's a game that we have to talk about. Yeah. Uh, talk about VAR here. Yeah. The, the, the actual football itself, I actually really enjoyed the game. I thought it was a good, entertaining game uh, on a Saturday evening. Both teams, you know, going at each other, trying to win the game. But what went on uh, during the game was. Uh, just, uh, I we're going to try and put it into words here, but but Johnny, um, where do I start? Uh, we'll start with the, the, the main talking point and the first goal. Uh, uh, sorry, Liverpool's first goal that, that, that was that was disallowed for, for offside. The audio has, has been released this week as well, and listening to that, uh, I just listened to it and think, who are these? Fools uh, that, that are making these decisions because look, we all make mistakes, right? You know, we've all been in our workplaces and 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 done things and uh, and, and and made mistakes. But um, you know, thirty-five seconds before one of them did start to pipe up um, was, was is unacceptable. And um, yeah, I, feel, I absolutely agree with with Klopp in terms of you know his how he's feeling about it, and Liverpool would feel you know extremely hard done by him. Yeah, where to start, mate? Where to start? It's an absolute banger. Jamie's sitting there like a WWE wrestler, itching, saying, "Tag me in." <laughs> Sit on my hands, I promise. Yeah, listen. Like you say, starting with the goal. Um, when they released the audio, all it done was confuse me further as to how wrong these tits can get it. Um, uh, that's really what it comes down to. We, 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 we bring in VAR to improve things. Yeah, so we're told. Um, now they sit there. I've brought this up. In, I think the last three pods, and I sound like a broken record, but they have. We're seeing these two, three times a week, every week. Yeah, some worse than others. Like that one was probably the worst in a while. They have multiple angles. They have time. They don't have to rush it. The they can spin it. They can draw lines. They can. Put you offside by a toenail. So how the hell have they managed that? Now I know what they're saying that it was a miscommunication, but I mean seriously, I mean is that what's came down to? We're talking about a game-changing decision. Yeah, absolutely could have changed the outcome of that game. Might good chance it would have changed it. So it's all came down to that. Um, and what did we get? We get the same hauled apology. Uh, I don't know what to make it, mate, and I don't know how they fix it. Um, there are other, there are there's other bar systems that seem to work better, but the Premier League decided not to use it. They give the um, the bar officials more rein and more input, which is fine. But the more human input you add, the higher chance you're going to get mistakes. Um, so yeah, that that was a stinker. And I agree with you, by the way. It was a for a neutral, it was a cracking game. It had everything, uh, and it was pretty much non-stop from start to finish. Uh, but further offside, yeah. Absolutely honking me. There's nothing else. There's no other words for that. Well, what I just can't understand about about this whole. The, I've said it before, even with the offside rule, and, and they're completely got it wrong. He's clearly onside, but football is an entertaining sport. We we all watch it to be entertained, and they're taking away the most entertaining thing in, in, in the goals. Um, and even looking at that, it, you know, it was tight, but you could tell he was on. So I just can't understand. I, for me, I just can't. 
I don't like the VAR at all. I'm, I'm not a fan, and I know Jamie might have something to say about um, Curtis Jones' uh, red card as well. Um, which again, when you slow these things down and you show still images, and it looks much worse. But when you actually play the game and you make that challenge, it's. I just, I just think it's. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it at all, Jamie. Yeah. Yeah, do you want me to start a minute one or do you want me to... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think there's you know for me there's a there's a few pain points within this whole conversation and I completely get it and I, you know a lot of people will say oh Paul we'll get on with it and I completely understand where that would where that comes from. First and foremost, take VAR aside, I think the ref was absolutely honking throughout the game. He got key decisions wrong. He was in my opinion, he was swayed by a lot of the stuff Spurs were doing. Um, there were certain challenges, there were certain interactions where we, ju- we just weren't catching a break. You can start off with the Curtis Jones um, red card, for example. I don't necessarily have an issue with that. Um, I 100% believe that Curtis Jones is overstretching, not aiming at the player and actually hits the ball, goes over the top of the ball and it changes the path of his foot and into it. I completely understand how one might look at that and go, ooh, that's not great. Where the controversy is, and we've seen this a few times, is that when they ask the ref to go and look at it, the first image is the end result. That should never be the case. It should always be the starting point, which is the the, the start of the process. And it should be played in real time, not, as you say, freeze frame. Because the moment he walks up to there, you're looking at that going, that's a red card. So straight away, what's the point you show in the next seven or eight seconds? If he still comes to the same decision, I completely get it. I can argue about how his, how his opinion is wrong. So to go one down, it's a tough one. For some reason, we always get players sent off at Tottenham. Two years ago, Andy Robertson got sent off for taking a swipe at um, one of the defenders and, and you know, was sent his marching orders based on VAR. So these things do happen. The Luis Diaz goal, though, I think is an absolute shocker, um, purely on the basis that we're down to 10 men. We catch a break. Diaz is onside. Salah plays him a wonderful ball through and, you know, it's all Diaz. It's a cracking goal. You can see from every angle he's onside. Now, this is the bit where the confusion starts for me. We're told that now all decisions for a goal when it comes to potential offside is the ref, is the linesman, has to leave his flag down because the VAR will pick up. The only reason he should lift his flag is if the ball hasn't gone out of play and there's an engagement to a challenge, for example. So why does he put his flag up? I don't know. You've heard from the VAR on the audio. They say, we're pulling it back for an offside check. He says that twice. And he says, yep, confirmed. So three times. So how Darren England has missed that and went decisions correct. So we they've drew the lines. They, they, they've done the marking. They've seen he's onside. But for whatever reason, Darren England has lost control of what he's thinking about. And he's thought that they've given a goal. And he's used the words check over or check completed, which signifies they've got the right decision. So completely, completely human error. I get that. I can take that. However, these guys are paid not to have those kind of errors. These guys are their sole role is to not have these kind of errors. So there has to be there has to be some kind of not necessarily consequence, but there has to be some kind of outcome to this apart from a we're sorry, lads. It just doesn't it just doesn't get better worse than this. Well, with that, Jamie, you've obviously got someone Darren England was the main VAR assistant, right? And then you've got a second one, which yep. I can't remember what his name was. So that's that's the frustration. Again, he, he, he's, he's messed up. He's got a check yep. over. 
yep. the, 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 his assistant sitting next to him at 30 between 30 to 35 seconds shall I go back for you so, see, so I've, I've, I've watched that about a million times they've got a transcript to it seven seconds after the decision's given the guy that's operating the, the VA also they obviously have a guy watching the replays they have a guy checking for the offsides then there's an actual operator that's the guy who's called Ollie Ollie Cahoots his name is so, and, and basically seven seconds he said are you sure about this decision because the yeah. on-field decision was offside and yeah. then there's a pause and then you hear people saying, say that again. And he says it again. And then Darren England kicks in. 35 seconds is when Darren England starts to say, I can't do nothing about it. That's it. So 35 seconds. No, no, and that's what I mean. That's why it's quite important to actually get that because they have 35 seconds of conversation about what the fuck has just went on yeah. before decides, I can't do nothing about it. Now, Johnny, I know you're going to love this because I remember this one. It cost us a fair whack on the book a couple of years ago. Brighton against Man United. Was nil. I think it was one each at the end of the game, and there was a contentious penalty decision about a minute before the whistle was blew. They blew the whistle. The ref pulled the players back onto the pitch and took the penalty, and Man United won the game two one. That happened all after a dead ball game finished everything. So I'm not buying that they are too scared of protocol if they can't, you know. They can't interject themselves into special circumstances because they've set a president before they've done it. Now, that is a bit high extreme, but I'm just mean that they have done it. So I think this is purely Darren England's thought process is, shit, I've fucked up. We can't intervene. He's then taken that decision. So for me, the buck stops with him. He's now accountable for that. Now, there's a, there's the, the, the chat is now he's apparently going to get a slap on the wrists. He's dropped a couple of games and apparently he'll never ref a Liverpool game again for the rest of the season. I mean, can I just put that? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, that's, it's, it's, you know, it's not, then you just, it just creates a further problem. Of course, um, of course. Uh, I've seen comment, the comments for Klopp in that today, Luke. None of them are going to replay that game, so he needs to wrap that. No, of course right not. Away. No, yeah. you know, that's I, not I, if, I, if I'm honest, I think I think Klopp's tongue and cheek. He knows he's never going to get replayed. He knows the game's never been replayed, so he's probably just put out there going, "Why would we never replay it? Why? Why? What? What?" And I know there's been worse situations where games should have been replayed, and I, I get that. I'm not. I don't want the game replayed. We lost. We simply lost. Simple as. But there has to be accountability for these decisions. No, and I'll take it. There was, there, was, there was, what was the Sunday game? The Sunday game was Nottingham Forest and Burnley, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, Brentford. Brentford, yeah. sorry. And there was a clear penalty uh, where the, the, the goalkeeper sideswipes the player running on. Anybody, you've seen people getting penalties for this all over this, all over. But for some reason, they didn't give it. There's clear and obvious areas within VAR that needs addressed. And I think that has to go from the structure, the, the risk element, the control points. I think even I was listening to one of the radio shows this morning. They were talking about they felt very uncomfortable with how everybody's so pally with each other. You know, they use each other. They, 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 it's very much um, they were congratulating each other, for example, after after they getting the call wrong. Like, well done, guys. Quick call. Like, there, There's no structure to you know, how they're communicating. You look at other sports, and I think I think Rugby Union, the referee says, is there anything stopping me from giving this goal? And they would go, yes, you need to go and see this, or no, you can give the goal. That terminology is not being used throughout that whole audio. That kind of now needs to come in, in my opinion. There needs to be a structure of, we're checking for an offside for the goal to be disallowed. 
can you confirm is he offside yes or no and they need to reply yes none of this all right mate let me go check this for you it, it just it just screams unprofessionalism in my opinion yeah it's not um, it's not it's not clear is what no. it comes down to and it has to be clear it has to be 100 transparent and clear and i agree with you that um the the excuse that we've we've, we've passed the 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 you know the line we, we can't go back the way that's an absolute nonsense mm-hmm. um for something like that, where it was a glaring mistake, it was obvious. They, sp- they would have spotted it. Well, they did spot it quickly. You can't go back that thirty seconds and undo that when we've had VAR calls take seven minutes. I mean, that's that's nonsense. Yeah. Of course, they can go back. So if that is a protocol and they're told that, then that absolutely has to change, or it's going to keep happening. But I think what we're seeing now is people are seeing that VAR. At first, there was only a few grumblings, um, teething problems. We had it labelled as everything. Whereas now we're seeing it more and more and more and more people are getting frustrated with it um, because it's not um, foolproof. It's far from it. So, yeah, the, the, I don't know what to do, mate, and how they, they especially mid-season, what they do to try and shore it. But it's not looking yeah. ideal. Yeah, I, I think, you know, put my better head on as well. I think there's a lot of more contentious stuff happened in the game as well. Jota getting two bookings. Um, in my opinion, was absolutely scandalous. The first one, the first one, he doesn't. He makes no interaction. He makes no. He literally, Udoji actually clips his knee. I think it is when he's cutting across him, and he gets booked for it. The second one, Jota goes to the floor but makes no contact with the player at all. And I think that's extremely, extremely harsh. But again, I think Simon Hooper's wrapped up in the moment. He's by this point, he's literally just yellow carding anybody that looks at him. You know, it was he was so he was so erratic with those cards. I don't believe that the ref doesn't know that the Diaz incident has not happened until halftime. I don't buy that at all. As I said, the the, 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 the VAR operated in those seven seconds after it. Darren England makes a decision 30 seconds later. That was around about the 32nd minute, 33rd minute. I don't believe for one second Hooper doesn't know that that happened. Or Ollie Watt, uh, Michael Oliver at the sideline, the fourth official, doesn't know. So therefore, a, hot, a conversation happened with them at halftime going, listen, this is what's happened. The next point I want to make is actually probably a bit of something that's went under the radar, and that's Sky's reporting on it. I was deeply concerned at half-time when they showed nothing. They didn't even respond to it in terms of the replays until three seconds before the players went back out into the pitch for the second half. They showed a quick replay with no lines, and Kelly Coates, who's a massive Liverpool fan, and her dad's obviously Kenny Dalglish, said that Sky have confirmed that they didn't have the lines or the, 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 the replays released to them. What we can see from the VAR audio, that they did do the lines. So a Sky line? Did Sky, did Sky want to not have that controversy all the way through the game? Because it didn't then pick up until the end, by which time Twitter was mad with everybody. It's what Twitter was rife with all the stills. I think... Um, I think uh, BN Sports, they had it up. Uh, BT had it up. Everybody had it. But apparently Sky hadn't had it released to them. Nah, that sounds awfully fishy. I'm awfully so fishy. annoyed. So annoyed with myself. Because see, today, I said to everyone this morning, sorry, everyone's my wife listeners, I'd said, I'm going to make myself a tinfoil hat. And when Jamie kicks <laughs> off, I'm going to stick it on on the pod. And I totally forgot. Oh, I'm so angry. I just, I just, I just mean there's something. The fact that they didn't allude to it in the in, in the halftime talk, that's not really normally what happens. That's normally the main focal point. 
I don't believe for one second the way that they reported that was accurate. I, I can understand the, the frustration. I'd, I'd mm. be exactly, exactly the same. Johnny, just to sort of talk about the football and, and end it, um, Spurs, that remains they, they remain unbeaten. Um, and unbeaten. <laughs> they're, they're, they're an Arsenal, uh, the only two teams in, in the Premier League now that, that are. Um, just want to sort of ask, are you really surprised by the start that, that Postacoglu's made to... You know, his time at Spurs, I watched, um, I'll go back to the first game, I watched him at Brentford and I thought there was good parts, but there was also bad parts. And I just thought he's, he's got he's got, got a big you know, job on his hands here. But um, to be fair, I, I didn't see him getting off to this kind of start. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm not surprised, mate. Uh, I did expect him to, to improve. I did say that. I thought they would improve fairly quickly. Um, I highly rate uh Big Ange, I really do. I think he he looks like a really. I mean, it looks like a top bloke. He speaks like a top bloke, and he's man management by all accounts is second to none. So if anybody can get a rise at the players, I think it's him. But saying that, it's only seven games in. You know, I don't want to jump too yeah. too far on the on the bandwagon. You know, there's a long way to go in the Premier League because of way um, slapping you back down and doing it fast. But yeah, I mean, it's a good start, mate. There is good signs there. Yeah, I think they're sitting second top now, aren't they? The joint master. Yeah, they are 17. They're only one off City. So, I mean, it is very early. And I don't think they have a huge amount of squad depth on them. I think a couple of injuries, they would be in serious trouble. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can only you can only get plaudits, you know, where they're due. And they do deserve them for the start of them, man. Seeing the game against Liverpool, um... Some was destroying us with his runs. Like he was getting in behind. It was, he, he was really, really good. But the moment they took him off, I thought Tottenham struggled to to create anything. And you know, Liverpool were down to nine men, um, defending for their lives, and relied on a on a on a ninety six minute own goal. I thought Tottenham they really didn't do themselves any much justice. I'm also going to point out the fact that they did a lap of honour around the stadium after the game. Like, like it was an end of season win. I mean, I know it was a big three points, but fuck off. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I mean, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm spitting. I know I'm spitting. I know I'm spitting. Um, but it's just, it's just like I, you know, it was a big three points for them. It really was. Um, I would be worried though if they took Son out for a couple of injuries, for example. What can they really rely on Richardson and uh, who's the lad? Is it Solomon? Oh, yeah. I think he's a good player, but yeah, you know, it's a big drop off for them. No, no, that, that's that's a fair point, definitely. Son and Son and Madison are the two. For when I watch yeah. Berlin, them two, them two come out there, they are in, in trouble. Um, Johnny, uh, Chelsea um, finally get a. It feels like <laughs> ages since they they lost got a win. They got off to a a two 0 win away at Fulham, and I thought they actually played quite well, to be honest. Um, for once, it was a stat that I see today that really surprised me. It was. Um, Chelsea have beaten a side starting the day above them in the Premier League for the first time since May 2021. 18-game endless run, um, which which I say it surprised me. It, it doesn't look <laughs> watching Chelsea after the last couple of years, but um, I suppose as well. Good to see Mudrick get off the uh, get off the mark. It's absolutely bogging, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Style. Every week I hear this new stat about how bad Chelsea have got. Um, I mean, listen, it was a good one. Uh, and it's the best I've looked since 
then it was a draw with Liverpool, but the second half they were really good in that game. It's probably the yeah. best of looks since then. I don't include the Luton game because they should be winning that game. You know, they should be cruising that game. But, I mean, that was a tougher game. It's not the easiest places to go. And, yeah, I think the boy, Mudrick, I mean, he's been, let's, let's not sugarcoat it, he's been terrible. He's well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's been terrible since he went to Chelsea. There's no other one. But we know, I mean, we've seen what he can do. It's obviously just the mentality or the vibe in Chelsea at the minute is just rock bottom. And I think some players, you know, it sticks to them like a, like a bad cold. Some players deal with it, some players don't. I think he's very much one of those players. Um, but I think a couple of goals, and if Chelsea can get a couple of wins, it would definitely improve him. Uh, I think that's exactly what he needs, and he definitely needed that goal. Uh, but yeah, you're right, he took, uh, he took it well. But I mean, I thought they were good. Yeah, they were well off the points. Um, they were the better side. Probably should have scored more, to be honest. But I mean, just delighted to see them go off the mark. Uh, Brogia as well getting back in the goals. I mean, that was a horrible injury that lad had. Yeah. Um, but then he went off after 65. He was hobbling. I've not read any more about it. Um, I'm hoping it's just a case of because he's hardly played any football, he'll give him an hour. But I'm not sure because he was limping. Yeah, yeah I, I was looking at that today as well. And I don't think there's been any update yet. So it be interesting to see if he's in the squad for the weekend. Jamie, we're coming up to an hour, so I'm just going to go through a couple of other talking points and then the next one I want to jump onto is, is Burnley um, they they get a win at last uh, and it was against Luton uh, obviously a double game week this week for the, for the Premier League um, what would, would you make of a Burnley I've been a little bit disappointed with Burnley so far this season is that fair or was again they're just a little bit of an overlap because they, they missed the championship I think it's been a bit of both. Um, if you, I think I said at the beginning of the season they, they were kicking off the the, the season against um, Man City, which was always going to be a toughie. But then they were going to be missing the next game because of the the rearrangement for Luton's ground being done, which put them at a two week disadvantage. The first game they come back, and I think the boy um, is it Lloyd, um, the, the the striker gets himself sent off and goes missing for the next three games for a straight red. So they've had a bit of a stop start. Um, so it was a big, it was big points for them. Um, you would have anticipated Luton to probably get more out of the game, considering that they just turned Everton. But I think that fell into the Luton conversation that we had earlier: is that they'll win one, lose two, <laughs> um, and and Burnley will probably do something very, very similar. If I'm honest, I do believe this team's worse than Burnley in the league, um, and I think the table will reflect that over the next couple of weeks. Um, but I think Burnley have got a big game this weekend. They are playing Chelsea at home which you wouldn't really bank on Chelsea at the moment, you know, as much as they did pull themselves a win. And Johnny called it, you know, depending on, you might get them win one week and they might draw the next, but a point would suit Burnley, it wouldn't suit Chelsea. But then the week after that, I think um, I think they're away to Arsenal. So um, it's going to be stop-start for them. Um, I think it's about defining what success looks like for Burnley, and it has to be staying in the league. And I think, see if they lose two games and win a game, the average of that is they'll get to about 40 points. That's actually not the worst, the, you know, as an outlook. I just think they've just not had the greatest starts because of the people that have went missing, as in sendings off. Then they had the rearranged game and stuff. So they just need to start putting points on the board, really, don't they? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, Johnny, last game uh, of the weekend that, that I want to touch on tonight is... Uh, 
West Ham uh, continuing their good start against Sheffield United. Um, I think this one, I would be surprised if you two boy, uh, boys didn't have West Ham on your coupon. They were my bankers, absolute bankers. Um, sure. 2-0, um, half-time, 2-0, finish, but just comfortable. Didn't really need to get out of second gear. Um, and another team in Sheffield United that, that you know, watching them lot, we all watched them last week. We'll see what happens against Newcastle. And um, another team that that they're going to do really well to to stay in the division. Yeah, mate, they're struggling. Uh, terrible start. Um, pretty much said it would be a terrible start. I hope you're listening, Colin. Um, <laughs> they were honking again. That's where he is. He's not actually away. He's just dodging this game. Um, <laughs> no, nah, but I mean, like you said, it was a comfortable one. Um, West Ham never really had to go to second gear. To be honest, the game was done at halftime. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Heckenbottom's got a long season ahead. I, I can't see him seeing out the season anyway. Um, they badly need to get on the board. I know they are. Uh, where are we? They've got they've one got, point. I think. I think they've got yeah, one point. Yeah, you've got the draw. Uh, it just doesn't look great for them. Mate. They're kind of becoming the whipping boys. Luton have got going a wee bit, as have Burnley, but they haven't started at all. Um, and that's kind of their, where their earmark would be. You know, we, if we can amass more than Luton and Burnley, then we're in a shout. And right now, it's not looking great. I mean, there is, like we said with those teams, this is a long way to go, but there, is, there isn't a lot of positives to take away for their performances. But I mean, good win for West Ham. Keep saying going, it's a good start for them. Yeah, it's a really, really solid start from, from West Ham. Um, just a couple more things to, to finish it off then. Jamie, um, with the upcoming fixtures this week, um, what is Liverpool your... No. <laughs> <laughs> what is your standout fixture? Um, I think I think you've got, you've got to call it the Brighton-Liverpool game if, if I'm talking about a neutral purely on the basis of what we said last week, the amount of goals that, in a Brighton game at the moment, um, mm-hmm. and, which was proven against Villa. Um, so, yes, Liverpool's turn. Um, I honestly think Liverpool will, get, will be galvanised by what happened last week. And it'll be that whole come-together, world's against this kind of attitude. And I think they'll start putting some really good displays in. Um so I'm expecting a Liverpool win. I would probably I would probably go for another high scoring game. It's got, I think it's gonna be like a four two or a three one or something. Um just because Liverpool get involved in score big scoring games as well. It just seems unless something dry, unless something crazy happens in this in tomorrow night's European fixtures for the two of them. You know, it could ravage the teams for example, but I'm yeah, I I, I think there's gonna be a lot of goals um in this coming fixture. Yeah. Yeah, hard to disagree with that. Johnny, would you pick a, another from this weekend that that, that, that stands out? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the first game you would jump on in terms of entertainment. Uh, what Jamie called, um, you would kind of, everything you would say would point to considering what Villa done and the way Liverpool play, that they will do the same thing. But you can't do that with Brighton. Yeah, you know, like we said, next week, this week, sorry, coming, they could be a totally different Brighton that turn up. Um, and obviously, Arsenal, Man City, have to give that a shout. The, um, it's going to be really, really interesting when you see where they're at. It depends on, I think Arsenal are going to have a hard time if they are missing Saka and anybody else. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, I mean, it should be a good duel. You know, it's a nice week earmark to see where each team is, if they're going to be like we expect to be challenging each other. 
Yeah, I think I think West Ham Newcastle is is probably the most even. You know, um, both teams are flying. You know, Champions League and Europa League, for example, and they're just putting those those performances in. I think the hardest thing for Newcastle is going to be that they they don't normally travel to London pretty well. You know that you know their away fixtures in London they don't normally do too great at. Um, so I think West Ham might pull off a, a good wee win for themselves here. They're flying tonight. Yeah. They're home though. That was uh, my third pick. That one from the the weekend. West Ham and, and Newcastle. I think uh, that will be a. That'll be a, a good game. Yeah. Um, and then, Jay, uh, Jamie, just to, to finish it off, then the Fantasy Premier League this week, how was your team looking? This is going to sound fucking terrible, but I actually got points for that Diddy Pedro Porro coming off my box, off my bench, getting a reassist for that <laughs> bloody dodgy own goal. Like, I can't, I feel so, so bitter, but he got me seven points. <laughs> um, <laughs> I yeah, um, my points. I finished fifty six. Average was forty nine. You know, fifty six, half and half. I had a Trippier who got an assist. Um, Salah really didn't get much. Saka was probably the surprise because we didn't expect him to play, and he ended up returning nine points. I have a strong lineup with Madison, Salah, Foden, who all basically returned five points between them. So I'm not going to scream from the rooftops. Um, was that was I, that including your minus? The... No, I made changes, didn't I? So I fifty six minus my. Hold my hands up! Hold my hands up! I took, I took a minus eight. Um, not quite as bad as Colin, but he took a minus yeah. seventeen, thinking that he gets all those free every week. That's your uh, mentality. See, didn't lose it yeah. the weekend. Yeah. Same um, yeah, but I think um, looking forward to this this weekend. I think all the talk is going to be about Saka. I think a lot of people can't afford to have nine million sitting on the bench if he's not going to play. So um, we'll see about that update. Mm-hmm. That, is, uh, that is the big one this week, uh, Johnny. How did you go, mate? Absolute dog shit, mate. I only had that dig at Jamie before I put mine out because I knew it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to level it out a bit. Um, Johnny, Johnny popped his well card, didn't he? No, that, that oh, was. Hey. Uh, is, that the, is that the week before? <laughs> yeah, that was the week before. Um, no, uh, this, this is the worst start I've had ever in FPL. I've got two, two top 10k finishes. So I have done well before, but this season, it's just everything that could go wrong has went wrong. So at the weekend, sorry to abbreviate. Um, Stooping on, thought I was doing well, stick him on the bench. Didn't fancy anything from him, so I stuck him on there anyway. And then Botman, they announced in like an hour, just after the deadline, I think they announced that, that Botman was injured. Thanks for that, Eddie. So he switches out, stooping in, obviously gets a minus two, comes off the bench just to take my points away. He's on um, <laughs> It was just one of the days, and I had so many players. It blanked as well, so it was just grim. Yeah, I really needed something for Salah at the weekend and probably Rashford, but done nothing. So I'll probably be taking a hit this week. In fact, I will be taking a hit this week because I've got injuries everywhere and I'm sick of looking at them. So that's my I plan. Think... So, sorry to tell you, I finished on uh, 40. I would expect I would expect Trent to be back this weekend. Um Trent's very expensive, but he gets in and about the goals. And, and that's the thing. If you if you've got that money sitting there, I think Trent against Brighton might be a good shout. Yeah, this is a signal now because what you're saying about Saka, if you've had him for the start, you have money tied up on him because obviously yeah. his price rises every week. So, for example, 
if I was to get rid of Saka, I think I paid um, something like 8.5 for him, something like that. No, I'm lying. I think I paid 8.3 for him. Now he's, he's 8.6. So that 0.3 I would have to get back when I want him back in. You know what I mean? It comes back to bite you on the arse. So yeah. Sometimes it's worth holding them unless it's a terrible injury. Yeah, so I had a terrible weekend. Forty point, same as you, same as you, Johnny. Um, SPN terrible. Obviously scored an own goal. Um, Rashford nothing. Saka nothing. Haaland nothing. So worst week I've had this this season so far. So I think nothing. I think if you look at it, the next set of six fixtures, Villa's fixtures are looking very very tasty for for a return. Um, they've obviously got Matty Cash, Lucas Denia that are getting another points. Douglas Louise, for example, has already had four goals and he's a defensive midfielder. Very, very cheap. But, I mean, defensive midfielders don't get that many, but he's already on four this season. So he's getting himself a bit. I think Diaby's the only... I would say, yeah, and I think Diaby's the only one that's maybe uncertain. I think he hobbled off in the last game. But Watkins is obviously the first shout, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good little little tip for the fantasy fans. Maybe try and get a couple of Villa players in there for this weekend right gents let's mark up there so jamie thanks for tonight mate hopefully better decisions um we see better decisions next week i feel like this has helped me so this has helped me just unwind a little bit and get it off my chest <laughs> until johnny texts me later and says something fucking that was gonna wind me up but um yeah no i, I appreciate it thank you very much johnny thanks as always mate um chelsea to, to go and get another win this weekend no, I doubt it. I wouldn't be surprised if Burnley won. Uh, but no, thanks for having me back on. It's always a pleasure, gentlemen. It always is. And listeners, thanks for listening. We will be back next week to go through, hopefully, uh, as we said, not as much controversy. But as always, take care.